today on Laura Lynn and Friends. What made Canada great is its Christianity. And the day is going to come that there's going to be a day of reckoning, but I think the victory will be in the hands of the Christians. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. It's going to be exciting. I've determined that I'm going to have fun through the apocalypse. Doesn't matter what happens. I intend to have a lot of fun because girls just want to have fun. And uh, I, I have a very uh, solid belief that God is uh, overseeing this whole thing, and he's large and in charge, so I'm not going to worry about it. But I do want to be on the right side of history. And we are going to be talking about Israel today, and I've gotten a lot of email uh, for and against my positions on Israel. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and also talk to somebody from Israel who is trying to unite people. And I think that's a good idea. It's pretty hard. Uh, Israel has been put in a very difficult place since October 7th, but we do believe that there is a right path forward. So you know that I love to read from my dad's Bible every single day. And this was a um, just a very apropos verse. I opened the Bible and I flipped a couple pages. And since my dad left two years ago to go to heaven, um, I've missed him. And But I've, I've continued to be blessed by what he thought was important to underline in the word of God. And today what I find is this verse and it's in Psalms 22 verse 3. It says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You know what? God says over and over in his word that he literally inhabits praise. So when we give God glory, when we give him honor, when we say that uh, we know that, that he is right, that he is righteous, and that he is the defender of those, especially the defender of Israel, then we give him praise and he comes and he loves to be in the room with you. That's, uh, you know, whenever I feel a little bit of anxiety and I feel some angst, I either put on uh, my, I've told you this before, my Bible gateway and I play the Bible out loud in my room. It's, it's funny how the, the, the devil just seems to take off. Uh, but the other thing that I do is I put on worship music so that I can have an environment where the devil will not be comfortable and he will hate hanging out with me. That includes in the middle of the night when I'm up and I'm tossing and turning and wondering about this and that. And I certainly had some sleepless nights after October 7th because it was very disturbing to me what happened. And I saw some videos that were very scarring to my brain. And I couldn't even recommend that you go and see those. But uh, it's detestable, the people that come out and say that October 7th never happened. And then I find it equally detestable when people are uh, playing soft music underneath some of those uh, that are taken out in Gaza, they're playing soft music and wanting to stir up our emotions uh, for, for the people of Gaza. But where's the soft music and stirring up our emotions for what happened October 7th? The most heinous, vicious, uh, psychopathic attack uh, that we've ever witnessed in our history. And those people have been traumatized. And all through history, they have been attacked for just wanting to have their land and to be Jews and to have a piece of land. And in my humble opinion, uh, they don't have all the land that's theirs. They just, they just have a piece because if you go back, uh, you know, several thousand years, where were they? The Jews were all through all the areas that we can name in the Middle East. Yet 
The Jews now have a piece of land rightfully given to them, lawfully given to them by the United Nations in 1948. And why can't they have their land and live in peace? Instead, they're constantly attacked. Hezbollah, Hamas, all of these things going on. Well, there's a gentleman and he's, he's very cool. I've been chatting with him just before the show and he's a bit of a spitfire. So we're looking for something to fight about. You know, we probably don't agree on everything, but uh, he, he's a very interesting man. And I, I like to have intelligent conversations that help us to see that there's different ways to look at things. And he's doing something very unique. Let me tell, tell you about him. Avi is founder and leader of the Judeo-Christian Bible Bloc Party running for the Knesset, the only party with Jewish, Christian, and Messianics as candidates, and working in total harmony. Understand, some people believe Jesus is the Messiah and some people do not. So he's talking about getting all these people into the same political party. <laughs> that is amazing. So he has spoken in over a thousand churches worldwide and have written and has written several several books. Oh, I'm sorry, seven books, mostly about the threat of Islam, the teachings of the Bible to Jews and Christians and humanity. And I'm really thrilled to welcome Avi Lipkin to the show. Avi, thank you for waiting in the background there. I, I appreciate your perspective and that you are a uniter. So I think we're going to have a great dialogue today. Well, I believe also that uh, as a result of uh, uh, different types of anti-Semitism, uh, whether it be from neo-Nazis or whether it be from Islamic terrorists, like in Edmonton, and then, well, I'll talk about Edmonton, uh, because I was in Edmonton in 1999 and I was shocked with what I learned there at the synagogue um, from a Christian lady who was attending the synagogue. Uh, but what I see is that there is going to be a massive immigration to Israel of Jewish people um, and because uh, Jewish people are intermarried with Christians uh, at least in the United States I think Canada is the same close to 80 percent intermarriage so if there is going to be a threat to the Jew there is going to be a threat to the Christian spouse or the children of the intermarriage so I am predicting that we are going to have an immigration to Israel of between 10 to 15 to 20 million Jews and Christians. And if my wife doesn't kill me, I'm gonna be the prime minister. <laughs> I'll vote for you. And I, I'd like to move to Israel as well. You know, I, I think that right now it's probably one of the safest places since October 7th. I mean, it's probably heightened security and all kinds of things happening. People might be afraid, but actually some of my friends have already gone to Israel since the attack. Uh, one of my good friends, Pastor Giulio Gabelli, a Christian, um, he's just oh, been over there. Friend. Yes. We're great friends. Oh, yeah. you are. Okay. I didn't even yes, know I that. Spoke, I, spoke, I spoke in this church a few times. Yes. Yes. Well, Pastor Gabelli is uh, one of my dearest friends and his son was there, as you probably know, October 7th. And so he's just recently returned. And I'm like, what courage, what courage to go into this war-torn place, you know, with a lot going on there. Now, I love this, what you're saying about... Um, that you believe that a lot of the Jews are going back. I do as well. Um, you know, you're you're not. And let's let's just put it out there. You're not you're not a Messianic Jew. You don't necessarily believe in the Bible. Um, you're just a dude. So where would you put yourself before we talk more about this? Well, uh, I grew up in a family. Um, my, my my grandparents are from Russia, Poland, Ukraine. 
uh, and they emigrated to Argentina. And my parents were not born, but they were raised in Argentina. Uh, Spanish is my mother tongue. Uh, my parents uh, in Argentina had very, very excellent relations with their Catholic uh, neighbors and friends. My mom went to a convent uh, to study for two years in Argentina because that was the only state school in the province where they were. Um, and uh, our, my parents' relations with Christians, with Catholics were absolutely fantastic. Uh, then when they moved to America and they said, well, we never had Hebrew education or Jewish education. So they sent me to Hebrew school in New York and uh, I was born in 49. So in 1955, when I was six, I started going to Hebrew school in addition to public school. And you have to remember 1955, all the horrors of the Holocaust were coming out. And uh, so uh, the first thing, my natural reaction is the Germans are all bad people. Uh, and then later we were taught that the Russians uh, killed us under the czars and under the communists. So the Russians, and the Polish and the Ukrainians, all bad people. Uh, and then, you know, we were taught that other, this group and that group, all Christians are bad people. And uh, uh, we were taught that in the United States, I was living in New York, and we were taught that even in the United States, that they would come, that the Jews would be wiped out and would be forced to flee. And I thought that was preposterous. But the point is, I moved to Israel, and here comes something crazy. I, I meet my wife on a bus. And I was in the youth movement, nationalist youth movement, and there was a bunch of Argentine communist Jews on the bus uh, making fun of me in Spanish, Argentine Spanish, which is my mother tongue. And so I turned around and my eyes fell on my wife, who was from Egypt, she's not from Argentina, but she was with this group because they had all come out of the supermarket with shopping goods for Shabbat, for Saturday. And I start yelling at my wife in Argentine Spanish, why is she saying these terrible things about me and my mother? And uh, she looked at me and says, I don't speak Spanish. I'm not from Argentina. She understood there was a problem. I said, where are you from? She said, I'm from Egypt. I said, Egypt, uh, can I interview you? Because I was editor of a student newspaper. And uh, so we, I carried her back to her dorm room and we got married. But, the, <laughs> but it was hated first sight. And when I sat down with her, and she, I said, make me a cup of coffee. And they said, okay, I'm going to start asking you questions. She said, wait a second. She said, before you ask me questions, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you completely crazy? I said, why am I crazy? Because how could you leave America to live in Israel? Israel is a war zone. In America, in spite of the Vietnam War, there was peace in the United States. And I said to her, because the, the Gentiles hate us. And my wife said, the Gentiles? And she, she said, who are the Gentiles? I said, the Christians. Because in America, you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. And the word in Hebrew is goy. goy. It's a very pejorative term. And my wife said to me, are you saying that the Christians are goyim, that they are Gentiles? I said, yes. So my wife said to me, not only are you crazy, you also don't know anything. And this is our first date, our first meeting. She didn't even serve me coffee yet. And she said to me, I'm crazy and I don't know anything. She said, Christians and Jews I hope you're listening carefully. Christians and Jews are one people. We are the people of the book, the people of the Bible. And the only difference between the Jews and the Christians is Jews keep Sabbath on Saturday, Christians keep Sabbath on Sunday. And so the Muslims who she was studying with in school in Cairo, 
said to her, so we killed a Jew on Saturday, we killed a Christian on Sunday. Wow. But the important I... thing is that Christians and Jews realize we are one people. And this is, this is in January 14th, 1970. And today I'm founding this Judeo-Christian party. By the way, my wife is a candidate in the list also. I love it. Now, um, you also, you, you've had some people say terrible things to your face, a, a, a Nazi kind of guy, about how he was going to be killing, they were going to intend to, to kill the, the Jews and then the Christians. And, um, and that's why you do believe that many people are going to move back to Israel. And I'll just say, um, you know, maybe this is uh, an interesting thing, but in Ezekiel 28, 25, I'll just say, thus says the Lord God, when I gather... I do have it on a share. Do you see that there, JT? When I gather the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and will manifest my holiness in them in the sight of the nations, they will live in their land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. Basically, that's one of the prophetic words that talks about um, that talks about the uh, Jews. Another one is in I Isaiah 11. It talks about the captivity of Israel. Um, then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand, the remnant of his people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. Um, and it goes on to talk about them reuniting. Um, and then Amos 9, that says also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. What I love about Israel is uh, I think it was Mark Twain that visited there uh, in, you know, I don't know if it was um, 1800s or something, sometime like that. And he said, there's nothing there. Like, who wants this land? It's a desert. It's, you know, there's nothing there. But the Jews came in and they have made a lush and beautiful, beautiful country. In Isaiah... It says that the land will only blossom when the Jews come home. Yes. And that's exactly what's been happening. Yes. But what I wanted to share with you is that uh, as a Jew living in the United States and going to synagogue in the United States, I was taught that the Christians were the enemy. And I was taught that the Muslims, because of the historical alliance in Spain, the Muslims were our loving brothers and sisters. And that the great golden age in Spain was under the Muslims. And I moved to Israel, and my wife said to me, you got it upside down. The Jews and the Christians are one people. And the Muslims are going to kill the Jews on Saturday and the Christians on Sunday. You know, I've been married to my wife 55 years, and I think because I accepted what she said, she didn't kill me. But, <laughs> I mean, I see this every day. They are killing the Christians. They're slaughtering the Christians everywhere. The Jews were slaughtered or expelled uh, decades ago, and they went to Israel. My wife is from Egypt. And, you know, this uh, October 7th, they were raping the women. But guess what? They were raping the men, too. Yep. And my wife's, my wife's father and brother, all the Jewish men were arrested during the Six-Day War uh, just because they were Jewish. They were all raped. Because that is the behavior of the Muslims in their jails. That's how the Muslim jailers behave with my father-in-law. Wow, you know, so you have, personal, you have a personal relationship yeah. with someone who 
verifies that this is what has happened and what they've done to them. Absolutely correct. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you that, uh, I mean, this is some of the crazy stuff. We have in Israel uh, socialists who believe in something in socialism and communism known as uh, solidarity, uh, the solidarity of all nations. And so these kibbutzim on the border with Gaza were attacked. These people are socialists. They're good people, wonderful people. And you know what? They were wonderful with the Gaza Arabs who had come across the border to work in the homes of these people in the kibbutzim. And they treated them like family. And they would help them go to hospitals. And they helped them with everything they needed. And then when October 7th came, these people who were taken such good care of brought the Hamas terrorists to their homes to rape them and kill them and burn them and chop their babies up. And uh, that's what you get when, <laughs> forgive me for saying it, when you put your trust in a Muslim. My wife's family had a, 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 a door, uh, a doorman in the house where they lived. And he was always sick, always sick, always sick. And my father-in-law was a male nurse. And uh, he brought him into the house, into the family. Uh, they, they cooked for him. They took care of him. They took him to doctors. They took him everywhere. And then on the Six-Day War, he went to the police to denounce my wife's family that they were Jews. And then they were in jail for two years and tortured. Wow. So, you know, we, we see the behavior. And I'm going to say something horrible. But Christians from the Middle East and Jews from the Middle East say this. You cannot believe a Muslim. Because the Muslim, in the end, no matter what you do for him, his system or her system is so, so crazy that they're going to stab you in the back. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you get banned by the Canadian government, but I'm just telling you things that we know from the Middle East. Yeah, so far we have freedom of speech uh, somewhat here. And I, I think, uh, you know, uh, you are sharing your personal understanding of this. I think we've seen this. I'm personally very alarmed by the Hamas motto and mission statement that literally says that they will kill the Jews. They have declared, and, and this is why we can't have a peace, uh, you know, a, a peace treaty with them. You can't have a, you know, a ceasefire because Hamas is just going to regroup and plan for another day of attack. You know, I have to tell you, uh, uh, it says it, there's a teaching uh, in the Hadith, uh, Hadith is not the Quran, Hadith is a collection of teachings which came out after, and it says that on the Day of Judgment, there is going to be a final battle, and uh, Muslims are going to kill every Jew on the face of the earth, and there will be some Jews who temporarily evade death, they will hide behind rocks and trees, and on that day, Allah will give mouth to the rocks and trees, and they will call out, oh Muslim pursuers, there is a Jew here hiding behind me, come and kill him. So there is no Muslim who will deny that all the Jews must die. And uh, I'm gonna to get to the Edmonton revelation in a moment, but when the war, when the big war comes, all the Jews must die. Now, here's another hadith. Jesus Christ comes back a second time uh, as a Muslim. I don't know if you know this or not. So when the Muslims say they believe in Jesus Christ, uh, their Jesus Christ is not the Jesus of Nazareth, of love. Their Jesus Christ is a Muslim warrior who speaks Arabic. And anyone who does not convert to Islam will have his throat personally slit by Jesus Christ, the Muslim. 
So this is in the Hadith. This is what every, when a Muslim says to you he believes in Jesus Christ, he's lying. What he believes in is some kind of a fake Jesus Christ, uh, which wants to kill uh, everyone who doesn't convert to Islam. This is what they believe. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Jews are monkeys, Christians are pigs. What do you do with monkeys and pigs? You kill them. So how can you negotiate peace with people whose bottom line is to annihilate the Jews on Saturday and the Christians on Sunday? I, I agree. And they also will call Jesus a, a great prophet, but they do deny the crucifixion and the resurrection, which of course is pivotal to any Christian faith. Without the resurrection, it's, he's, he's not powerful or miraculous in any way. It's just a man who died who said he was God, um, you know, God's son. And so they deny that. So that is some of the things that I've been learning from having different guests on because you're right. I have been told by Muslims, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we love Christians. Uh, we love Jews, actually, is what they say. I have one guy's always telling me this. And I'm like, well, we need to get clear then that you're a Muslim and your teachings or some of these books um, are not are not supportive of, of us. So let's not pretend that we're on the same page. And I did say this to him straight out. And I still I'm saying to him that we're, we are friends, but let's just not kid each other. The Jesus you believe in is not the Jesus I believe in. My Jesus was the son of God, not a great prophet. My Jesus died and rose again. That's my Jesus. So although you might want to pay lip service of we believe in Jesus, and then what you're telling me about the Hadith is that uh, he, you know, they have Jesus coming back and, you know, he's going to be harming people. So that's not my Jesus. With your permission, I would like to go ahead and talk first about the Edmonton Revelation. I'd like that. Yeah. So this is great because, you know, we're, we're in Canada. We're just, uh, I'll actually be... Um, uh, very close to Edmonton uh, in within the next few days and something happened there. I'd love to hear about that. Okay, well, uh, firstly, I had come across the border uh, from Seattle to uh, actually to Maple Ridge. I don't know if you know Jean and Sandy Bergeron uh, mm -hmm. in Shalom House and uh, they invited me to speak. That was on a Sunday evening. And they have a farmhouse, and there was room there for like 50 people. Very nice evening. And I was supposed to go to Kamloops on Monday night and Kelowna Tuesday night. And then Wednesday, you know, get to uh, to um, uh, Edmonton. And I, I do all this driving, by the way. I love driving. I love Canada. I love the U.S. I love, I love na nature. Uh, I think uh, Thompson Valley, you know, Fraser Valley up to uh, Jasper and then down. Anyway, I won't waste the time with this. So what happened was that uh, uh, Jean Bergeron calls the Messianic community in uh, Kamloops and Kelowna and, uh, oh, we'd love to have Avi. And then they said, okay, we're going to go check with the Jewish community. And the thing got vetoed because the Jewish community loves the Muslims. And I don't want to say they hate the Christians, but it got canceled. So I did a, a three-night teaching in Shalom House in Maple Ridge. And um, so then on Wednesday, Thursday, I drove 20 hours like a madman uh, to uh, Edmonton. And uh, I got to a Baptist church there uh, Thursday night. And uh, like 200 people, very nice turnout. Two, 20 Jews came, and they were respectful. Um, and then on Friday, uh, my hostess, 
Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it, Cora Brisbois, but she was my hostess. She passed since then. Um, and uh, she calls the local rabbi and says, uh, can you host Avi Lipkin uh, for Shabbat, you know, for the Saturday uh, service and the meals and sleeping there and said, sure. And I went to the rabbi's house and he said to me, tell me, what's a nice Jewish boy like you doing in the Christian churches? And I said to him, listen, there are one and a half billion Muslims. And in Israel at that time, we were only five million Jews. And I said, my purpose is to get the evangelical Christians on board to join Israel, because if we get 100 million uh, born again, uh, that helps level the playing field. And he said, oh, I never thought about that. He said, very good idea. God bless you. I mean, I would never step into church, but if you go to churches, he said to me, that's wonderful. So the next morning, he announces, here we have Avi Lipkin, Israeli army spokesman. The Christians give him 10 hours. When I was in Maple Ridge, I spoke 10 hours. And we're going to give him 10 minutes after the service. There's a meal, and we were going to have our meal, and then I was going to get up to speak. I got up to speak. I got shouted down by two liberals. You know, liberals with capital L? Capital L means they're not liberal. They're socialist totalitarians. And they didn't let me speak. Who came to the rescue? A Christian woman who was attending the Orthodox Jewish synagogue every Shabbat because Jesus went to synagogue on Shabbat. He didn't go to church. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to get into that right now. But, uh, so, so she said, Avi, will you let me speak? I said, they're not going to let me speak. So they know you get up to speak. So she got up to speak. And this is what I call the Edmonton Revelation. She, God silenced me so that I'd listen to this woman. And she says, I am a social worker for the government of Canada, province of Alberta, a uh, city of Edmonton. And I am a caseworker for a Muslim woman doctor from uh, Cairo, Egypt. And this is the story. She was a very devout, very pious Muslim woman. She was like Mother Teresa in India, but in Cairo, Egypt. And uh, she did everything as a volunteer. And then she was in her 40s, not married. And she said, you know, maybe I'll apply for a visa, work 20, 30 years in Canada and make some money. So she went. Otherwise, she died in poverty. So she applied for a visa. And uh, the, next day was, the next day was approved. The Canadians knew about this woman. I mean, this woman was internationally famous for being like a Mother Teresa. And then there was a knock on her door, and it was three holy men from the mosque, you know, with turbans and beards and long gowns and Quran in the hand and everything. And they said to her in Arabic, Mabruk. Mabruk in Arabic means congratulations. So she said, Allah, ibadik feet. Allah should also give you congratulations. Why do I have congratulations? They said, because we know you're going to Canada. She said, how did you know I'm going to Canada? This is just a proof that we have our fanatic Muslims everywhere in the Canadian government in the uh, Egyptian government, and we know everything about you, and you're going to work for us. You're going to go to Canada, and you're going to have a clinic. All the Jews, all the Christians, all the Muslims in Edmonton are going to come to your clinic, and you're going to write down their names and addresses and telephone numbers. You know, when you go to a doctor, you have to fill out forms, and you're going to hand all this information to us, and we're going to catalog all the Jews and all the Christians. And when the war breaks out, the, when the war breaks out in the Middle East, as it says in the Hadith, all the Jews must die. So the Muslims of Edmonton must kill all the Jews in Edmonton. And also the Christians married to the Jews. And also the Christians and the pastors who love Israel. They must all be killed. They're all going to be cataloged. And uh, so she, hey, she said, listen, I'm a doctor. 
I swore the Hippocratic Oath to heal people and save lives. I'm not into killing people, and I, I'm not interested in politics. So they said to her, oh, so you're not going to work for us. She said, no, I'm not going to work for you. So standing next to the doctor was another woman helping her in the clinic. The three holy men grabbed her, pulled out a knife, and they slit her throat. And they said to the doctor, if you don't work for us, this is what we're going to do to you. The next day, she had political asylum in the Canadian embassy in uh, Cairo. And praise God, the Royal Canadian Air Force flew in a private jet to pick her up and bring her to Edmonton. And this Christian woman in the Jewish synagogue is the caseworker, you know, for this Muslim woman doctor. This is in the summer of 99. By the way, I have to tell you, I was in British Columbia. I was in Saskatchewan. I was south of the border in Montana. Nothing, nothing, nothing was in the newspapers, only in the province of Alberta, Canada. This was a local provincial story. And if you, I, you know, I put it in my book, in my third book, I've written seven books. Uh, and she said that she works with the Canadian police and uh, the Royal Canadian police told her 90% of the Muslims are peacekeeping, law-abiding citizens of Canada, 90%. Only 10% are terrorists who get their salaries from the Middle East. They have guns, they have funding, and they're going to catalog the Jews and Christians, and they're going to slaughter them when the big war comes. Now, many people thought that this war on October 7th, which was started by Hamas, was the reason to kill the Jews. But because, and I'm going to go into something else slightly, and then I'm going to get back to the neo-Nazi. They had a, a what they call a nature party or a, a Nova party. Uh, 1,200 people were slaughtered there. They just went to dance and have a good time. Mostly, you know, smoke, take drugs, drink alcohol. And on Shabbat, on what day? Shabbat. This was like divine punishment, forgive me for saying it. Um, it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Um but what the Hamas did to the, there was a woman there who was a super activist for the Gaza Arabs. They killed her. There were many people there who were pro-peace and pro the Muslims just killed everybody. So it doesn't help you if you're pro-Muslim. They're going to kill you anyway. Uh, so anyway, so that's the story uh, you have in America today, according to my estimate. Uh, there are about 10, 20, 30 million Muslims. I don't know how many. But if we go by the Canadian police, and the Canadian police say 10% are terrorists, 10% of one mil of uh, 10 million uh, Muslims is 1 million. There are at least 10 million. There are, you know, the black Muslims claim 4 million. You've got 9 million Shiites, 9 million Sunnis. That's in addition to all the African uh, Muslims being flown in in the last 20, 30 years. I'm talking about 1999. Uh, I think there are 20 or 30 million Muslims in the United States. So 10% would be. One million, two million, and they all have guns. Um, you know, I was in a uh, church in uh, Yukon, but it wasn't Yukon, uh, Canada. It was Yukon, Oklahoma. And four policemen came up to me after I spoke and said, you know, we're friends with the sheriff in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is about an hour and a half away. And the alarm went off in a mosque in Tulsa. And uh, by the way, Tulsa is a Muslim town now. Uh, Tulsa Mosque, uh, the police showed up to check it out. And they found a room downstairs open with uh, dozens of machine guns. In other words, the mosques are armories. And uh, they called the FBI. And the FBI said, you can't do anything about it. They've got licenses for all the guns. 
but keep in mind that the mosques are all armories, and, the, the, and, and these and these are the 10% Muslims, if not more, that, that are going to come to kill the Jews and the Christians. Anyway, do you have that in your mind? One million, two million Muslims with guns in the United States. Forgive me for saying it, but when I say United States, it also includes Canada, because yeah. you know Canada and the U.S. is 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 one big happy family. Uh, I know. Canadians don't like when I say that, or Americans. <laughs> but uh, but uh, well, so anyway, so in a way we are in Florida. I was in Florida uh, two years ago, and this is right after the killing of George Floyd, who was a drug, you know, addict. And uh, I had lunch with this militia guy uh, upon recommendation of a lady friend of mine. Very nice man. Very very educated. Very uh, I don't know. I, you, you wouldn't think, that's a Nazi, that's not a Nazi. And so he said, Avi, we love you, we know about you, you're very different from the left-wing Bolshevik Democrat Jews, uh, you're like us, because I'm right-wing, <laughs> Jews will never let me speak. So anyway, so um, he said, what do you think about the killing of George Floyd? And I said, well, I think it was horrible. I mean, they shouldn't have killed the guy, he was on drugs, he should have been arrested and taken to a hospital or whatever. Um, he shrugged his head and then he said, what do you think about defund the police? And two years ago, there was this big thing about defund the police. And um, I said, well, I think it's horrible because if you defund the police, uh, you'll have rampant crime and murder and uh, people run, you know, flee the cities or, or they have that. And he sh shook his head, no. He sa I said, what do you mean no? He said, oh, you know, before the killing of George Floyd, uh, we had uh, uh, three million militia members in the U.S. After the killing of George Floyd and the defund the police riots, we are now up to 30 million militia men and women in uh, the United States. And the first thing we're going to do is kill the Jews. Now, I think out of the 30 million, again, 10% uh, may be neo-Nazi, but 90% are just normal Americans who have guns. And, uh, but if 10%, it's 3 million. So if you have 3 million Muslims with guns and 3 million neo-Nazis with guns and you have Black Lives Matter, uh, they have guns and they are ready to, to kill the Jews. They hate the Jews because the, the word is out, Jews are slumlords. Uh, and then you have uh, something called, I don't know if you have it in Canada, you have Antifa or Antifa. Uh, Antifa communists, they're going to kill the Jews. The one thing they all have in common is kill the Jews. So. If you got six million Jews married to four million Christians in America, that's ten million. But if you got six, seven, eight million armed uh, fanatics of all different types coming to kill the Jews, either they flee the U.S. and Canada and go to Israel, because no matter where they go, they're going to be killed. Uh, so my approach has been, and I wrote a letter about this to the president of Israel, Yitzhak Herzog, and I said to him, "Listen, we have to prepare for a tsunami." of immigration of Jews and Christians to Israel. And so today our population is 10 million, which is about 7 million Jews, half a million Christians, two and a half million Muslims, uh, baseball park uh, figure, 10 million. Uh, but tomorrow we're gonna get 10 million more immigrants or 20 million more immigrants. Uh, and, and many of them are not gonna be Jewish. They're gonna be Christian spouses coming to live in Israel. And the rabbis have to allow that. The rabbis cannot block it. Um, so that's why I think the Judeo-Christian Bible Block Party is a sign of the future 
of the Jews and the Christians. And then another thing I wanted to add also is that, uh, and we could spend hours on this if you if you really want to uh, uh, talk Bible with me. I believe that we're going to be seeing Israel's borders expanding in all directions. Uh, Gaza uh, was the first stage. Uh, we were misled by Gaza. We were misled by Hamas. We were told yeah. they want peace. And our leadership did everything to uh, encourage them in a peaceful direction. And it was all a lie. They were lying to us. In Arabic, the word is taqiyya. Taqiyya is deception. Uh, they were deceiving us. Uh, so guess what? God uh, has returned Gaza to Israeli control. Uh, I don't know what final decision will be made, but at this stage, Gaza is now not a threat to Israel. It's part of Israel's control. Thank God. Then there is a, then I'll say one or two more things, and then sure. I'll stop hogging the microphone. Um, we have a problem in the north with Hezbollah. Now, we fought Palestinian terrorists in 1978. It was called Operation Litani. And we fought from the northern border all the way to the Litani River, which is about 10 miles away. Uh, then we had Operation Peace in the Galilee in 1982. And... Um, then in, 19, in 2006, we had another, in 2005, we had a third war in Lebanon. And uh, I don't know if uh, Canadians understand the term uh, manifest destiny, but anyone who's American knows what manifest destiny means. Manifest destiny means if you get attacked once, twice, thrice, four, four times, and you conquer the same territory four times, you never give it back, never. And if Egypt... My wife has a, has a red flag flying there with Egypt. She says if Egypt attacks Israel again, Israel will have to take Sinai a fourth time. We've taken it three times. And the U.S. State Department made us give it in the world, and the U.N. made us give it back each time. Uh, we gave it back for peace, praise God. But if we get attacked by Egypt again, I'm just saying, in my opinion, Israel's borders are going to expand. Saudi Arabia... I believe is going to fall to ISIS. Jordan is going to fall to ISIS. Syria is going to fall to ISIS. And in the end, they are all going to turn their guns towards Israel. And Israel's going to have to fight them. We don't want to fight them. We don't want to fight anyone. But God has a plan. And God does not, it's called the Bible, and God does not ask us for our permission. Anyway, I release to you the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh you know, I am actually quite taken back with everything that you're saying. Uh, and yes, God does have a plan. But Israel gave Gaza by in, in 2005. And I know you know this, but for the viewers who don't understand, who continue to be hoodwinked by leftist media and anti-Semites, they, they removed every Israeli from Gaza, kicking and screaming, by the way, because I remember seeing the video. And I remember wondering if that was the right thing to do, but I think it was Ariel Sharon maybe at the time. And then they yeah. also removed the graves. They removed every Jewish grave. And it's my understanding that Jews no longer felt welcome in Gaza, that that was now given to the Palestinians and let's have peace. Here's your Gaza. What did they do with it? You know, they, they voted in Hamas and it's been tyrannical. And then they celebrated on the day of October 7th as uh, these heinous psychopaths went in and and hurt the the Jewish people. And then what you're saying to me 
it's very concerning. I have, if you wouldn't mind, I want to play a uh, clip. You've got that clip. We played this clip actually yesterday, sir, but I want to play it again because um, this is a report by Global News in Canada. And when Global News, whom I don't trust at all because mainstream media is just full of bunk and they haven't told the truth, you know, in, in the last decade because they're paid off and they, they're a talking, a talking arm for the liberal government here. But when they start calling out this stuff, um, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. So let me show this to you and, and you can remark on it, considering what you've said about uh, the Edmonton revelation. Take a look. How big is the problem of Iranian regime affiliates operating in Canada? The answer, as we uncovered this weekend on Global's current affairs program, The New Reality, was shocking. We have about 700 names right now. 700. We're still counting, so it's going to be closer to 1,000. The news we broke has a lot of people demanding, when will Canada designate the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist entity, just like the U.S. did in 2019? We put that question to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Prime Minister, will you commit to listing the IRGC as a terrorist entity? We continue to watch and make sure that we're able to do everything we can that is responsible against the impact of the IRGC. With all due respect, uh, Prime Minister, the people who spoke to us, you know, they said that they risked their lives just to speak to us, and they are desperate for a direct answer from you. As you know, the IRGC is complicit in the killing of at least 55 Canadians in the downing of Flight 752. Um, could you please answer my question? Will you list the IRGC or commit to listing the IRGC as a terrorist entity, yes or no? If I have said many, many times, the Iranian regime responsible for the shooting down of PS752, killing of its own citizens and killing of Canadian citizens, its sponsorship of terror around the world, means that we will continue to do everything necessary, both to hold that regime to account, to limit its impact around the world, and to protect Canadians. So you asked a straightforward question. We're not getting a straightforward answer. We went back to the BC lawyer investigating and documenting the list of regime affiliates living freely in this country. If you don't want to do it, you know, give us a good reason. The lack of transparency and straightforwardness on this straightforward issue. Um, of course, it's upsetting uh, and uh, it's definitely not something I want to see in Canadian politics. Our investigation has a lot of people talking, but for those dissidents who speak up and risk their lives to do so, they just want an answer. Hmm. So, so that is, you know, the uncovering of what we're facing of terrorist cells and I'm sure that you've been watching the pro-Palestinian marches that are going on in Canadian cities, American cities. And it's quite shocking to see the growing sort of tension and threat of violence that we feel from these groups. Uh, they do tend to get in altercations. Uh, there's a real sort of, um, they're very militant and they they are now here in full force. And our prime minister, is now removed the cap. He was going to bring in a thousand people from Gaza. He's removed the cap now. So we're going to have a lot of these people from Gaza who actually, in all the polls, they they support Hamas. So this is the problem we are really facing here. Okay, well, firstly, uh, you know what? When I speak to a Canadian audience, like I'm doing right now, I try to tell testimonies 
from Canada. And I spoke uh, to a wonderful group in Abbotsford. And um, it was in the summer. And uh, on our drive back, it was like 9 o'clock and the sun was still up. And while we were driving back, um, I was surprised because my phone started working again, my American phone, uh, right right on the border there with the U.S. And my, my host said, look at that blue house over there. He said, that's the U.S. And then look at the White House, which is between us. That's Canada. And there's no fence. And... Um, what do you think about that? I said, well, if I were a terrorist, I'd buy the two houses and dig a tunnel. He says, well, that's what they did. <laughs> In other words, I think like a terrorist. And they, he said, that's what they did. And so Canada has, I think, one of the longest uh, unmarked borders with the United States. But it's a, it's a picnic for terrorists. Uh, it could be IRGC. It could be Hamas. It could be anything. And uh, Canadians and Americans are, are the sweetest, most loving people in the world and don't have a clue uh, what they're getting themselves into. It takes a thief to know a thief. And one of the reasons I go to Christian churches is because Christians are so sweet and so loving and so wonderful, and uh, they can't understand the devil coming into their midst. And, and that is a, you know, I, I agree with you uh, for some reason. Um, I've been one of those people um, that I seem uh, I seem to see uh, a problem, you know, before it arrives or as it's coming, I see it. And I know some great people in Canada that see it. I know that global news is beginning to say we have a problem. I know that as we've seen the pro-Palestine uh, marches, we've gone, wow, like that is a lot of people and they're all calling for the eradication of the Jews from the river to the sea their antifada uh and they're saying it openly on our streets and that doesn't seem to be a problem now if you're a, a freedom loving canadian and you think that you should have bodily autonomy like the freedom convoy uh did you know literally two years ago today uh we were in we were in ottawa fighting for the right to have the right to say no to certain mandates um and we got uh, treated horribly by the government and they sent in ugly suits and they shot unarmed citizens even after the truckers left. They were throwing tear gas into unarmed citizens who took excellent care of the, uh, the streets. So I think that our prime minister is on the wrong side of this. Uh, now we've got a government coming in probably with uh, Pierre Polyev and the conservatives. And I certainly do hope they're going to take a stronger stand. But you know what? They're all trying to get the Muslim vote. They're all trying to cater to, to these people so that they don't appear to be uh, racist. And so you're right. We're too nice. We're, you know, we've, we've invited all of these people who did not accept our values. If we would have brought atheists, it would have been better than what we've done. We brought in, we brought in people who do not honor our religion and who actually say they will kill Jews and Christians. One more thing. Uh, you're in Vancouver, and uh, you've got a lot of Chinese people, a lot of Hindus. They're going to be killed also. So uh, it's listen, anyone who's uh, an infidel, right? It's anyone who's like a, a, exactly. a Gentile, basically. Exactly. Uh, and I'm going to say something which... Uh, anyone who's watching this show and does not believe in God is going to brush me off and say, well, he's a fanatic. 
But uh, my approach has been always, there's a God in heaven. There's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Jews and the Christians. Uh, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob loves the Jews. In Isaiah, it says we're the apple of God's eye. Uh, he loves the Christians. Romans, I think, 15, the Christians are grafted into the Jews. Uh, he loves the, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the blacks. Uh, he loves the Muslims. Our God loves every human being because we are in the image of God. And when the Muslims pray and they say, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar means Allah is greater than God. Who said he was greater than God? Satan. Satan hates the Jews. Satan Allah wants them dead on Saturday. Satan Allah wants the Christians dead on Sunday. Satan Allah hates the Buddhists and the Hindus and the blacks. And the Muslims kill each other in the name of Allah. So you tell me that's God? So I got a three-year jail sentence in Switzerland, commuted to 10 years probation, for saying that Allah is the devil and Islam is not a religion but a criminal psychosis. But praise God, because of my lectures in Switzerland, they voted down the uh, minaret initiative. They wanted to put minarets everywhere in uh, Switzerland. And there are no minarets in Switzerland today. So, you know, my Swiss friend said I deserve a, a medal, but I got a, a criminal file now in Switzerland, which I'm very proud of. They put me on the map. Well, let me ask you a difficult question. Um, we have a lot of Muslims here, and I've had several Muslims say to me, uh, you don't have to worry about me because he, they've said, they will kill me too. The radicals, they will kill me too. I have other Muslim friends saying, no, we are here for peace. We moved away from Lebanon because we wanted to come to the land of Canada where we could have peace. The surprise to me is that they cannot truly, I, I have to get them into a corner. They won't declare Hamas and Hezbollah to be terrorists. Now these are educated Canadian, living here 30 years, uh, people. So is there, you know, can we say that many people have come here and they're not radicalized and they're not gonna participate in some sort of jihad? Good question. And it is not a hard question. The answer might be hard. And uh, my answer is the following. Let's say your name is Mohammed and you immigrated to Canada and you are a computer genius because many Muslims are fantastic with computers. Your wife uh, has a good job in Canada. You have a son and a daughter, wonderful kids going to Canadian schools. Um, you know, in America, they call it the American dream, but there's also the Canadian dream. And Canada has been a, a dream country for so many people from all over the world. One day, there's a knock on the door. And it's these three Muslim holy men from the mosque. And they say to you, oh, your name is Muhammad such and such. Yeah, my name is Muhammad such and such. You're a Muslim? Yes, I'm a Muslim. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, it's wonderful. Well, uh, we understand you work with computers. I said, yes, I work with computers. Well, can you come work with us? Or rather, you're going to come and work with us because we're going to do some very bad things to Canada with the computer. He said, well, listen, you know, I'm not here to do bad things to Canada. I, you know, and she says, listen, see your wife over there? She belongs to us. We will do with her what we want. And your children cannot live with a father who is an infidel. And you're a Muslim, so you have to be killed. So now, 
Are you going to work for us? So there's your answer. Yeah, just like they did to that woman who didn't want to participate and they killed the, the woman beside her. Exactly. I mean, this is what I have been encountering for the last 35 years of my life, uh, speaking in churches in U.S., Canada, Mexico, uh, all over Europe. And my wife, uh, praise God, of 55 years, I mean, she's been teaching me these things. And uh, they are so scary and so abhorrent for the Western mindset, for the Western ear to hear. But uh, hey, you know, takes a thief to know a thief. I've been living here among thieves for 55 years in Israel. And I come back to the States with the purpose, uh, to the States in Canada, uh, with the purpose of explaining this to Christians, because Christians don't deserve to get a punish such a punishment. So, <laughs> is... <laughs> you know what are we to do uh move to israel is is that you were you started this entire thing saying you know you begin to think i think i'm safer in israel than anywhere in the world i'm a i'm an outspoken christian here in canada i've already got some very um disturbing uh emails from uh muslim names okay they say one said uh, i'm not gonna say it and I, um, I sent it to my, my assistant and I said, well, keep this one just, you know, so we have it on file. But I think that, you know, we're in danger. If we're going to speak out about these things, we're in danger. So how are we safe? Canada doesn't want you to have guns and they certainly don't want you defending yourself in your own home because you're going to go to jail if you kill that intruder. Um, so maybe the answer is that we do all end up in Israel. Well, uh, you know, I, I am a believer. Now, forgive me for talking like an American. Okay. Uh, for, me, for me, when I say America, it extends to Canada. And, you know, I grew up with World War II movies and the Canadians and the Brits and the Americans were fighting side by side against these Nazis and the Japanese and Bridge Over the River Kwai and everything. So, you know, so I love Canada uh, just like I love America. And I love both countries very much. And I believe in the eventual uh, victory of Christianity. Uh, uh, and I've, I've said it many times, what made America great was its Christianity. What made Canada great is its Christianity. And the day is going to come that there's going to be a day of reckoning, but I think the victory will be in the hands of the Christians. Amen. Uh, my job, I believe my job is an educational job. My job is to get the information out. Um, um, you know, like it's when, I think it's in the New Testament somewhere where somebody does not know the gospel, they're not guilty of, of rejecting Christ. But if you know the gospel and you still reject Christ, then I think that, I mean, that's the way Christians say it. I say, okay, well, I say the same thing about Islam. Uh, if you uh, don't know anything about Islam and you're totally ignorant, uh, then maybe in some way you can be forgiven. But if you have the information and you reject it, then you are stupid. And being stupid is a sin. Stupid is not ignorant. Ignorant is you have not been given the you information. And yeah, and the problem in American and Canadian and European churches is that the preachings are how to be holy and how to be good and how to be righteous. And yeah. But nobody talks about Islam because it's not nice. Could you and, tell uh, me? You know, I, yeah. 
Can you tell me about Netanyahu, uh, your uh, thoughts on him? I get a lot of people just uh, the, either they love him or they hate him. So what's your opinion? Okay, well, like I said before the show, uh, I've got uh, you know a very strong plus and maybe a small minus with Netanyahu. Uh, and that is, I was Likud all my life. I was a member of the very, very right-wing, uh, some people say fascist, but it wasn't fascist, just nationalist Jewish youth in Maytar. When I met my wife, uh, you heard that story. And, um, and uh, I looked, I've been in Israel since 1968. And the socialists have been in control since 1920. Um, I'm a Sovietologist. I understand communism. I understand socialism. And um, I was ecstatic when the Likud won the elections in 1977 under Menachem Begin. But we understood that the socialists had a pyramid of power which was unmovable. Um, and you could not touch the socialists. And Menachem Begin said to the socialists, we will find a way to work together. So the socialists accepted the Likud coming to power. Now, what has happened in the last, uh, since 1977, so we're talking about almost 60 years, is that the, the population of white European socialists is shrinking every day. Uh, the, the religious Jews and the uh, nationalist Jews like myself uh, are now 60% of the population. We are the majority. So Netanyahu has been doing a fabulous job. He's the greatest prime minister we ever had. And the socialists hate his guts because he doesn't resign. They want him to resign so that they can put together a coalition that will be socialist, even though the majority is anti-socialist. So uh, I don't know how to say it in the, the short time maybe that we have left, but I will tell you that uh, Israel uh, today, uh, God forbid, is on the verge of a civil war. Because what you have here is you have generals. Uh, you know, when you reach colonel, you cannot go any higher than colonel if you are not a socialist. And you go through a filter. And I know colonels who were basically terminated in the military because they, did, they were not socialists, they were nationalists. Um, I was fired from the prime minister's office when I should have gotten tenure. I was court-martialed for killing Rabin, even though I was actually in Pennsylvania acting as a conservative rabbi. People just denounced me. Uh, I was retired from the seminary. I was going to study, I was studying to be a rabbi three years. And uh, they said, because I opposed homosexual ordination and I was right-wing Likud. So this country, even though the Likud has been in power so many years and Netanyahu has been in power, uh, the country is still controlled by labor unions, the army, the police, the foreign ministry, all these so civil services controlled by socialists. Mm. And uh, the most important part is that the judges are socialists. The judges appoint each other. This is... I don't know in Canada how it is, but in America, you vote for your judge. Uh, judges go through elections. No, there are no elections in, in Israel. The judges appoint fellow judges based on seniority. And so it is ensured that the Supreme Court and all judges are going to be socialists. So they tried to pass this reform bill uh, to reform the judiciary. And we've been having 10 months of dem violent demonstrations in the streets of Tel Aviv, all funded uh, by the, the globalists, the one world government, by the U.S. Um, and, wow. and 
I don't know if I'm saying something very important now. October the 7th, the day of the attack, was the, supposedly the day that there was supposed to be a coup d'etat against Netanyahu by the socialist generals, the, gen, the retired generals. They all are coming back to roost. Uh, and I think that God actually saved Israel from a civil wow. war by having Hamas attack us. Now, wow. Now, wait a second. I'm going to finish it. Now Israel is on the verge of victory in Gaza. Yes. So this talk about new elections and forcing Netanyahu to retire, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a war with uh, Hezbollah, because that'll keep us busy for six months. And the soldiers are all united under Netanyahu and under the, the, the military to fight the enemies. Islam is out to destroy us or wipe us off the face of the earth. And it doesn't matter if it's an IRGC, uh, people in uh, Hezbollah land, or if it's Hamas, or if it's in Lebanon, or if it's in Jordan, or if it's in Iraq, or Syria, or Houthis are trying to blow up uh, uh, ships. I mean, this is complete insanity. So Israel has to be united. Unity is the gift of God. And I think that the as the days go by, the weeks, the months, the years go by, and these generals die off, and the younger soldiers come into uh, commanding positions in the military, uh, it's going to be finally the end of their socialists uh, trying to take over Israel. And um, by the way, I would recommend, uh, this is a horrible thing I'm gonna say now, I would recommend the Russian movie. Uh, it's on the internet and it's free. Uh, it even has English sub subtitles. It's called The Admiral. The Admiral? Watch it. You don't, The Admiral. And the story about uh, uh, an admiral in the Tsarist Navy, and he's a war hero, and uh, there's some romance in it. I mean, it's not, you know, it's a Russian movie, so it's very respectable. And in the end, it talks about how the communists basically killed every general and every commander. And every. And then there was a civil war in Russia, and the communists won, and they killed everybody. And uh, so th this is the way these generals think. And uh, our former prime minister, El Barak, was saying, there has to be blood in the streets of Tel Aviv. There has to be bodies in the Yarkon River. I mean, it's crazy. The guy's nuts. But he's leading this uh, movement. Uh, it's called the Kaplan Street. Look up Kaplan Street. Kaplan Street. The, and now what they did was they latched on to the families of the hostages. And uh, they are working overtime to destroy Netanyahu and say he's terrible and he's a threat. And, He's the best prime minister we ever had. He put Israel on the map uh, financially and in every sense. I really so, like him. Know, so, I've been watching so him for him. years. My dad uh, was a news uh, buff, and he would force uh, uh, the whole family to watch the news pretty much because that's all that was on. We had one TV, not like today where you have a TV in every room, you know, in a family room and all that. We had one TV in the house. And uh, whatever dad was watching, that's what we were watching. And we'd see the Barbara Walter special with Netanyahu. And we'd see, you know, him on being interviewed, you know, on Global or whatever. And, uh, and, and Fox and CNN. And, uh, and then I've, I've watched carefully the interviews he's done as of late with Hannity here in the United States. And uh, I, one thing I always respect, he always wants the least amount of death and carnage. And people just want to rake him over the coals over what's going on in Gaza. And I'm like, what are people to do with these freaks that uh, want nothing more than to keep attacking Israel? 
psychopaths, like just death, they are born with death DNA almost. And, and Netanyahu needs to protect the people. You've got to go and get there. And then I don't understand sacrificing yourself and your child, you know, walking down uh, the middle of Gaza while the IDF are all around. And this, these videos come out as well. And I think these are horrible parents. These are terrible parents that do not protect children because there's an ideology behind it that, you know, here's the dirty little secret that you've talked about. But basically you get this martyr's, you know, glorification, uh, you know, if you die for the cause. So Netanyahu, to me has been a very strong person. I also know there's been prophetic words about Netanyahu from, um, uh, you know, a, another uh, prophetic voice in, in Canada that predicted Trump's, um, Trump to be the, the president for two terms. So we will see if he's an accurate prophet, if whether Trump gets in. But he said good things about Netanyahu and that God had called Netanyahu. And I see that whenever somebody doesn't like Netanyahu, I'm like, would you send me the article? Would you send me the video? Would you send me the information on which you have determined that Netanyahu is so evil? Well, uh, you know what? Uh, he has today uh, the support of 64 members of Knesset out of 120. So he has the majority. And he makes sure his relations are good with his uh, coalition. And there's no reason he shouldn't stay as prime minister until October 2026. Um, the only reason I said that I was against him maybe was because as a former American, uh, there's something I think you have it in Canada also called term limits, um, four years or eight years. And you know, Netanyahu has been there so many years. We don't uh, seem so to I have that. We, yeah, I mean, we'll have another election, but Justin Trudeau, he could stay in ad nauseum if he, you know, pulls a few strings and does whatever, you know, we're, so that's the big thing in Canada is we do, we definitely want to get rid of him. Um, and uh, it's almost like anyone but Justin now, that'll be what the next election's on. Uh, so even though the conservative party is, is truly not conservative, they voted in, you know, that someone can go to jail for five years and get a $200,000 uh, fine, you know, if they are, you know, if someone is speaking against a person trans transitioning their sex, so a child or whatever, you know, you can't counsel them in any regard except transition. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely, uh, you, you know, the world's gone a bit upside down, but um, we do want to get rid of Trudeau and Netanyahu, I, I see he's been there a while, but perhaps the day will come when he will, he will be done. Um, he's going to get older or he might make decisions and I hope there's a good leader as strong as him because he's been he's been gifted with wisdom in order to be strong enough to handle this assault that's come. And when he speaks, it's really with such um, dignity, you know, and, and a, a set, like he has a certain quality about him that you can't you can't fake that like our prime minister doesn't have it. We always think he's acting. Uh, he's effeminate. He's bizarre world. He, you know, he's pretending that he's with his wife while he, he and his wife are clearly been, you know, in a bad way. And now she's uh, repartnered. Uh, she had an affair on him while he's been in office and she's run off with someone else. And there's just been this big fake on of trying to make it look like they're to get like we're just we're in uh, the, the Truman Show. And then you've got Biden, right? Clearly, he can't run again. Nobody wants him to run again. And he seems to be the only person they're putting up, but I don't care. I'd rather just be silent. Go ahead and put Biden up because I don't think he can win. 
But, uh, you know, I think they're going to pull something out of their side pocket here shortly for the, the Democrats running someone else because Biden is, uh, he's just completely inept, keeps on doing crazy stuff. So I, I do have this beautiful little clip of Netanyahu recently participated in a, I believe he's uh, singing a psalm, and I'd like to play it in honor of him, if you don't mind. It's, it's really beautiful, sure. actually. Thank you. הקדוש ברוך הוא ישמור ויציל את חיילנו מכל צרה וצוקה ומכל נגע ומחלה וישלח ברכה והצלחה בכל מעשה ידיהם ידבר שונאנו תחתיהם ויעטרם בכתר ישועה ובעטרת ניצחון וקוים בהם הכתוב כי אדוני אלוהיכם ההולך עמכם נילחם לכם עם אויביכם להושיע אתכם ונאמר אמן prayer that, that we all recite together. Uh, it's a blessing for the soldiers of Israel that God should extend his, his wing of defense over the soldiers. So Amen. it's beautiful. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, I was just kind of, you know, in Ezekiel 39, I'll leave you with this. Uh, so basically, as you read through 38 and 39, it comes to the point where everyone's against Israel. But God shows up, and because of that, um, he says, I will dis display my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see uh, the punishment that I have inflicted. And uh, because they were unfaithful to me, and he's talking about Israel, he hid his face from them. But then it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will now restore the fortunes of Jacob, and will have compassion on all the people of Israel. And that basically many people feel, you know, is setting up the Armageddon time. And uh, some people feel that the Christians are already gone. So if I'm not here, Avi, um, just uh, know that uh, I, I'm with the Lord. I haven't been taken by aliens. This is what I tell my kids. <laughs> if if there's any kind of, you know, thing where we're out of here and, you know, the, the talk, talks about, you know, in the twinkling of an eye will disappear. Doesn't matter to me. Whatever we have, I, as you've said, uh, God is with us. And I have to let you know, this has been most enlightening and one of the one of the most profound talks I've had in a long time. It's been really kind of terrorizing and frightening, but I think you're telling us the truth because we need to know it. So I thank you for that. I'm ready to do a weekly show with you if you want. I don't charge anything. And um, you know what, frankly, awesome. uh, Lori Bond is 7, 7.30 in the morning for Texas. Yes. And, uh, Brad Fricker is in the afternoon, I mean, 10 a.m. Texas. Um, and I, and all my friends, I've got hundreds of friends on the West Coast and in Canada, and uh, I couldn't invite them at 5 in the morning to listen to the Zoom. So right. if I know that I'm doing something with you, that I can notify all my people to come and listen to you. But Thank that, you. That, 
We do, we definitely need to do that. We need to have you on more often. I think you're speaking the truth and I really appreciate your insight on Israel and the truth of what is going on there. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Lipkin. Thank you for uh, gracing us with your presence. You're a good man. Thank you. My pleasure. My See you pleasure. in Israel soon. Amen, please. Amen. Okay, bye-bye. Wow. All right. Um, we've gone really long, but that is because this is uh, so profound. Um, I am, I'm challenged in my spirit. I'm, I'm considering it's, it's very sobering to hear what Avi was sharing. It's very sobering to hear that there are, there are factions of pure evil in our world that do not, you know, he said, it takes a thief to know a thief. Well, I'm not a thief. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a killer. So I feel somewhat like, like a lamb, you know, and when you come up against wolves and, and you see that there are, there's pure evil. And I, I'm not, I'm talking about serial killers and, you know, white Nazis and all kinds of things, you know, um, there, there are, there are pure evil factions in our world and we need to protect ourselves. Um, I won't spend long. I'll only say my website is laurelin.tv. You will not hear this anywhere else. This is why we do this. We put ourselves literally in harm's way to tell you the truth. If you were moved by this presentation from Avi and this information, will you help us to keep going? Will you just take a moment, go to laurelin.tv, push the donate button and help us, please help us to help you, right? Like the movie. Um, it means a lot because this is our livelihood and we can't do it if we've got to go and work at Walmart. Not that I can get a job at Walmart because they're going to look at my social profile and they're going to say you're unworthy. And I, I'm completely unhirable, to be honest. So I just have no choice. But I, we want to take this a step further. We want to get back onto television as well. So we would do internet and television, longer versions on the internet, but television, a half hour show. And uh, we need some real funds in order to do that. We believe that God is clearing the way for us to do that. If you would be able to help us, if you would see the benefit of this kind of programming to, to warn, to exhort, to, to let people know the truth that you will not hear on any other broadcasters. And other than these uh, media, you know, sort of independent media that is now rising in Canada. That is where we have to put our support behind. And so I thank you very much that you would support us. Uh, you can e-transfer at Live at protonmail.com. And uh, you can also, I think that uh, you've got that there, JT. Also, we've got a box number and it's box 48184, New Westminster. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for supporting us. And we really mean it, that, that we need it. So let me just read the final part of Ezekiel as I let you go today. Ezekiel 39 basically says, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will now restore the fortunes of Jacob and will have compassion on all the people of Israel. And I will be zealous for my holy name. They will forget their shame and all the unfaithfulness they showed toward me when they lived in safety in their land with no one to make them afraid. You know, uh, some of the people that write me now, they're like, what is wrong with you, Laura Lynn? 
the Jews, they crucified Jesus. <laughs> you know, seems a bit loud today, hun. Um, but uh, it's like, yeah, and we forgive them. Like we're, we're the kind of people that we forgive. We forgive people that have hurt our Lord because God forgives them. And it's not for us, uh, you know, to be the judge. God is the judge of all things. But the Jews who have rejected largely Jesus as the Messiah, I just love them. I, I would have a Jew come and stay in my home anytime. Now, some of those uh, Jews in Israel, they also talk about these. These are the very, you know, um, they're, what are they? They're historical conservative Jews, Orthodox Jews, and they spit at us. They spit at myself and Brian Warren when we were in Israel shooting for the 700 Club. Um, they spit, and I was so shocked. No one told me they would be spitting at us. <laughs> I thought they liked us. And then, so these Orthodox Jews are spitting at us because they believe that we're we're corrupting the Jewish religion, you know, by by standing with this Jesus character that was that was crucified and deserved to be crucified. And meanwhile, we're saying, well, the very life of Jesus, actually, including his crucifixion, actually um, fulfilled prophecy from even their Jewish text. They just choose not to see it. He was born in Bethlehem. It says he'd be born in Bethlehem of a virgin. It says he would be born of a virgin. It says that he would die, that not one of his bones would be broken. It's all prophesied how Jesus would die, that he would be rejected. And he would then become the cornerstone. The cornerstone that the builders rejected, that the Jews rejected. So in Ezekiel 39, as it prophesies the end of time, he says that God, he, um, they will forget their shame and their unfaithfulness they showed toward me when they lived in safety in their land and no one to make them afraid. When I have brought them back from the nations and have gathered them from the countries of their enemies, I will be proved holy through them in the sight of many nations. Remember how Avi started the show today. He is of the opinion that there is going to be millions and tens of millions that will now return to Israel. I mean, does that make sense in the natural? Oh, like Israel, do you mean the place where they just had this bloodbath that happened on October 7th? People actually want to go live there? Well, I actually think you might be safer than being in a place where there are some people that have declared they're gonna take out the Jews and the Christians are next. My hope is in the name of the Lord, everyone. There will be not one hair of my head that will ever be harmed outside of God's purposes and will for me. God is fully able to protect you and me. May we hear his voice. May we understand where we should have our passions and our energy, where we should direct our destiny in his will, in his way. That's where we're safe. That's where we can leave it in his hands. Thanks for joining me, everyone. Have a great day. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. 
I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.